One of the questions that came out of this past Sunday's sermon was, did Jesus go to hell? So did he? Stick around a few minutes and we will find out together. Because each week in this podcast, we'll follow up with a Sunday message and dig a little deeper into the word and the passage that was just preached. My name is David Miller and I'm the pastor of membership here at McGregor. And this is Beyond the Notes. You know, this past Sunday, we looked at the last 11 verses of John 19, and uh, that is the passage where in the wake of Jesus's death on the cross, he is pierced and he is buried. And our passage begs the question, uh, well, where did Jesus go while he was dead from Friday afternoon to early Sunday Easter morning? I have a confession to make, and uh, this may disturb some of you, but I grew up Presbyterian. However, that was before God saved me. Um, And I came to uh, faith in Christ through the ministry of a Southern Baptist church. So I'm not a Southern Baptist by birth. I'm a Southern Baptist by choice. Uh, And even though there are a few things about the Presbyterian influence in my upbringing that I'm very thankful for. For one, I learned... um, The Westminster Confession, which is a solid, uh, for the most part, confessional statement. And I learned the Apostles' Creed, too, growing up Presbyterian. And as many of you know, the Apostles' Creed contains the statement that Jesus descended into hell. That's a problem. But it's a problem that a lot of Christians would buy into because... Well, the Apostles' Creed is so old and has influenced so many generations. The view that Jesus went to hell while he was dead is still held today by a lot of professing Christians. And I'm amazed how many times I hear this uh, when it comes up in conversations from people that claim Christ. So let me be real clear. I do not believe that Jesus went to hell any time between Friday afternoon and Easter Sunday morning. But boy, oh boy, down through the years of preaching that I've sat under... I've heard plenty of pastors say and use the soundbite, Jesus went to hell so you don't have to. And that's appealing. And it's usually typically um, made as a gospel appeal. But there are problems with that statement and problems with that thinking that Jesus went to hell. And there seem to be two scripture passages that are used to justify this position that Jesus went to hell. And I'd encourage you to actually get your Bibles out for this edition of Beyond the Notes. So the first passage is in Ephesians 4. And in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul equates the church to a new creation. And he appeals to believers that we be unified based upon the fact that we are one body and one spirit under one Lord in one faith in one baptism. And he goes on to remind us of our salvation in Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 10. That's really the key passage where some of this thinking gets started about Jesus going to hell. So let me read it to you, and you hopefully are looking at your own Bible. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also 
descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now the phrase in verse 9 is the one that's key. Look at it with me. He had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. Some folks take that phrase to mean that Jesus went to hell upon his death. However, the bigger picture of what the Apostle Paul is after in this passage is he's prodding the church at Ephesus toward humility. Uh, he says clearly in the beginning of this chapter, and, and all of this oneness that he's already mentioned is due to the work of Christ. God has done an amazing thing, not only by saving us, but by putting saved people together in a local church. Both are his work, and so both of those things should humble us. And so what was Jesus' greatest act of humility? Well, it was the incarnation, taking on flesh and coming to earth in the form of a baby. And with that in mind, we should go back and again read Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. Think about the incarnation in terms of the context by which we read this. What does he say? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does that mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So the descending that Paul is talking about here is not Jesus going to hell, but it's Jesus taking on a human nature, coming to earth as he left heaven and was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. And he lived here for 33 years. Jesus descended into the lower regions, the earth. And after the resurrection, what did he do? He ascended again. Ephesians 4 is simply reiterating the events that we see in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. While at the same time, it reminds us that Christ's exaltation was preceded by his humiliation. Now, that's one of the first passages or, or verses that is used to justify this thinking that Jesus went to hell. The second passage is a little bit trickier. Uh, and it's 1 Peter 3, 13 through 20. And one of the things that Peter is doing in 1 Peter 3 is that he's encouraging these believers to face their trials well. One of the jobs of a pastor is to help his people suffer well. And the sad landscape of American evangelicalism most pastors don't even realize that's part of their job description, but it is. And Peter knows it is, and here's how he encourages his sheep, beginning in verse 13 of 1 Peter 3. He says, Now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, 
Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better for for doing good, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Now stop right there. So so far Peter is encouraging people to suffer well. And who might Peter use as the greatest example of suffering well and enduring trials? Who might he use? Verse 18, what does it say? For Christ also suffered once for the sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Excuse me. So that phrase that causes some to think that Jesus went to hell when he died goes from the end of verse 18 there through verses 19 and 20, referring to Jesus when he says, but being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. A couple things to note there in those couple of verses. The word spirits is a term in the Greek that is applied to supernatural beings, no doubt, but it is also used to refer to humans at times. And I believe that that's what's happening here in verse 19. And because verse 20 specifically describes the humans who were disobedient to God, who as as God waited patiently for Noah to finish building the ark. So if you think about it, for 120 years, Noah preached a message of repentance. And for 120 years, God demonstrated his patience. But in the end, the people continued in their rebellion against God while the ark was being built. And so what eventually did God do? He wiped out mankind from the face of the earth, Genesis 6 tells us, with the exception of Noah and his family. So I believe the spirits that Peter is referring to here are the souls of the sinful people that lived in the days of Noah. Those people are what? They're now in prison, as verse 19 mentions. And they are, like all lost people are, who have already passed away, they are awaiting the final judgment of God at the end of the age. But that begs the question, okay, then when did Jesus preach to these lost people that are awaiting the judgment of God? Well, look at the end of verse 18 again, and on into 19. Peter says of Jesus being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed the spirits in prison. So that phrase, excuse me, in the spirit is about how Jesus went and proclaimed to those in prison. My take is that this is referring to a Christophany or a pre-incarnate Jesus that was actually speaking through Noah's message. Now that may sound odd, but, but look through Peter's letters and you'll see him 
particularly in, in chapter 1, verse 11, he mentions that the Spirit of Christ was in the Old Testament prophets. And even in 2 Peter 2, 5, he says, um, he's referring to Noah as a preacher of righteousness. So I believe that what Peter was saying is that Jesus, through the mouth of Noah, preached to Noah's generation, and all those folks from that generation are now in prison, meaning they are in hell. Peter's clearly not advocating that Jesus preached to them while they were in prison. He says Jesus preached to them during the days of Noah, and now they are in prison awaiting final judgment. <clears throat> And this is consistent with what Peter is doing in this chapter, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this. He's encouraging believers here to keep the faith, to, to, to face unjust persecution, just as Noah did and just as Jesus did. Both of them had to endure ridicule and persecution as they were faithful to God. And both of them obeyed God and were unashamed about the message that they preached. And so this message that Peter is giving his sheep at that time was encouraging to those believers, and it's encouraging to us today because it's reminding us that God's purpose is being worked out even in times of trials and suffering. God's plans are not derailed when his people come under attack. He's still sovereign over that as well. So this, this proposition in 1 Peter 3 is one that, that, that I share. This view is one that I share with men like John Piper and, and Wayne Grudem. But I will tell you that there are other brothers that I deeply respect, like John MacArthur, uh, to name just one, that do not hold to this position that I hold to, but instead do believe that Jesus went to hell. Now, my argument is not just about playing defense here. And, and, and referring to the misuse of 1 Peter 3 and Ephesians 4. But think of in terms of offense, there's an even bigger problem, I believe, with the idea that Jesus went to hell because of something Jesus himself said. In Luke 23, 43, Jesus looks at the thief on the cross who was expressing both repentance and faith in that moment in Jesus. And our Lord says to that thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Friends, there's not a clearer verse in the Bible that describes where Jesus was between Friday afternoon and Easter Sunday morning than this one. It's clear Jesus was saying, when you and I die, this later this afternoon, we will be in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. And guess what? There's not a clearer picture of the gospel either. Think about this guy. Jesus promises him that he will be with Jesus in heaven that very day. And that blows away every system of religious works on the planet. The guy had neither the time nor the opportunity to, good, to do good works to earn his salvation. This also blows away the Catholic idea of purgatory and even baptismal regeneration but it also clarifies that Jesus didn't go to hell. It does so for me anyway, and I hope it does for you as well. And that'll wrap up our Beyond the Notes podcast for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. We'd love for you to describe, subscribe to our podcast if you haven't done so yet. So just click that subscribe button and feel free to give us a review because we'd love to hear your feedback as well. 
We also have other podcasts too, besides Beyond the Notes. So go to McGregorPodcast.com and you can learn out about the other shows that we provide and how to listen to them. And particularly if this podcast has been helpful to you, share it with somebody today. That's always a good thing. And finally, if you want to be ready for next Sunday's sermon, we'll be in the first 10 verses of John 20 and we'll study together what happens on Resurrection Sunday morning. So by all means, feel free to read ahead. God bless. Thank you.